sharing, and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have Sunil and Shri, both co-founders of Zealandia Honey. Zealandia makes and exports Manuka honey. Over the years, Manuka honey has become a part of Kiwiana, something many tourists take back home with them, just like Whitaker's chocolate, an export that we're all proud of. Zealandia honey was born out of international demand for premium and native New Zealand honey. Recently, they produced a collector's edition that costs close to $3,000, a far cry from the clover honey you purchased at the local market last Sunday. We chat to Shri and Sunil about their story, about the science behind their work, how one goes about creating such a premium product, and the challenges associated with that. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi Shri, hi Sunil, how are you? Hey Prasen, we are hi, really, uh, we are doing well, thank you. Good, how thank are you. you? How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you both for coming on to the show. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, Shri, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Was food a big part of it? Um, yes, um, food was a big part of our childhood. Um, it was, I was born and brought up in um, Hyderabad and my earliest days of um, um, food, the memories are going to the local markets, like um, going to the local flea markets for uh, buying fresh produce. And um, it was, um, I always went with my mum and auntie, so, um, and the way they would bargain and pick, cherry pick um, Mm -hmm. the produce and then, um, and then ask the um, vendor on the other side if um, he was cheating with his um, scales. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's like such a grandmom thing to do. Yeah. I'm just laughing because yeah, yeah. that's exactly what my grandma used to do. And then she'd always be like, Achavala dena, like, give me the nice one. Huh? Don't you dare cheat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a good, um, yeah, I had. And then um, then there would be walks my, with my dad as well. So days when mum and auntie couldn't um, go to the produce market, it would be my turn and dad's turn to go. Yeah, it was good. It was a um, fond uh, memories of mine growing up and then eventually ended up doing um, food science um, as my degree. Um, and then, yeah, one thing led to the other. And now here we are, um, co-founders of an export honey company. So, yeah. And Sunil, what about you? Do you have any food memories um, as part of your childhood? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big foodie too. You'll probably notice when you see me. Um, but it has... <laughs> You'll notice it too when you see me. <laughs> it has yeah, always been uh, played a prominent role uh, in my life. Um, my father is a farmer, so I grew up with a lot of cousins uh, and big family, coming from a big family. So, um, you know, there's always a bit of competition for food on table. So, um, yeah, so some, somehow I used to beat uh, everyone and started looking at other kids uh, still eating. Um, I think since my childhood, I've been always uh, passionate about food and, and, and uh, our parents taught, you know, how important it is to save food uh, in a way. So... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I developed this kind of uh, love relationship uh, with food and eventually um, 
I um, selected food technology um, as as my bachelor's degree uh, from from Usman University Hyderabad. Um, yeah, since then I've been I've been in love with food technology. <laughs> so, have you always been a food scientist? Like, what led you guys to start Zealandia? Um, so yeah, so I was um, after graduating from food technology uh, from Usman University Hyderabad. Uh, I went to Sweden uh, to pursue my uh, MSc, Master of Science in Food and Biotechnology. Um, and then I, I met a professor uh, from UK uh, who was then uh, coming to New Zealand um, to, to do his uh, professor job. And he encouraged me to come to New Zealand. And that's how I actually ended up in New Zealand. And, and I think that was probably the first time when I actually looked at Okay, where is actually New Zealand? Uh, on <laughs> yeah, my grandmom used to always mix it up with Switzerland, and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. part of the world. <laughs> if, if, uh, if New Zealand and Australia are, you know, connected by the road, you know, I mean, you, you still get those kind of questions. Would <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah. you get questions even from? Um, People in America, though, when I went on my exchange, someone told me, can't you just like catch a ferry from Sydney? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, by luck, I ended up at Mass University, Palmerston North, uh, finished my uh, MSc thesis project uh, under this professor. Um, and then I worked at Mass A for about three years in different uh, different departments, post-harvest and helping, mostly helping PhD students with their projects. Um, and then moved on to kiwi fruit industry and worked there for about for about a year, um, and then eventually ended up uh, uh, in honey industry uh, back in 2010. Uh, since then, um, since then I've been working with Manuka Honey, um, and you know from from different roles from technician to uh, to the lab manager and R and D and bit of uh, bit of supply chain management and process optimization. Um, so yeah, so you know, I managed. Um, I, I learned. I learned all the tricks of of the honey business, um, and then I always wanted to start a food company. You know, that's, that's always always my dream. Um, so I thought, you know, it's a good good opportunity to to start a honey business and and maybe you know do something different um, than than rest of the people. So yeah, so that's how we started this journey. And Sri, what were you doing before before Zealandia? Um, so I worked in a variety of um, customer service and marketing roles, and then I had a stint of um, owning my business for about five years in um, cooking, uh, like a cook school, like doing cooking lessons and stuff. Um, oh, yeah, so it was it was um, a good uh, experience um, to have before you start your own business, and it was not like um. Sunil could do everything by himself. So it was like a family thing as to support each other. So, it, and I, um, when Sunil said, let's do it, let's do our own thing. And I was like, okay, these are the skills I can bring to the table. These are the skills. And there was still a shortfall of some of the skill set. So, and, um, and we were very fortunate to run into Robin um, in one of our um, laboratory audits. And then, yeah, and Robin just um, fitted perfectly, just like a glove. And then, yeah, since then it's a small team, but we've grown um, since then. We've now got three staff. So it's pretty good. Mm. Okay. That's awesome. So tell me, you guys don't actually make the honey yourself, right? Like, was that a conscious decision? 
Um, yes, so we're not beekeepers. We, it's beekeeping itself is a big, um, you know, it's an industry by itself. There's a lot of um, uh, work that goes into it and managing the hives and everything. So, yes, we don't make our own honey. We don't have our own hives, but we always work. Um, we've chosen to work with our local beekeepers. There's so many of them in um, Taupo because that's where the business is located. And we decided, yes, let's work with the beekeepers in the region and um, go from there. And eventually we've um, broadened our horizons and now we work with uh, beekeepers in Bay of Plenty and then um, some in East Cape near Gisborne and a few other places. So um, it's, yeah, it was in a way, a conscious decision um, mm. that we don't own our hives because, and it's also our philosophy is we leave certain parts of exporting honey of the whole business to the people who can actually do it. And it is their bread and butter who are experts in what they do. Mm. So Sunil, since you're the honey expert, like, can you tell us a little bit about Manuka honey? Like, how is it different from the other honeys? Like, is it really worth the hype? Or is it just, you know, like a premium thing? Yeah, sure. So um, I think uh, honey honey by itself, um, you know, it's, it's just a miracle of, of the nature. You know, it's a, it's a combination of uh, two, two powerful species uh, making this product, right? So bees and plants. And, you know, plant needs, plant needs pollinators like bees, uh, insects uh, to survive. And bees need nectar and pollen for survival. So I think the bonding between uh, bees and plants started about like 100 million years ago. So honey is a very special food, um, but I have to say I think Manuka honey is even more special. That's because of uh, this magical compound uh, called methylglyxol. We, we call it MGO, MGO um, and any many other polyphenols. So this MGO is a very small, uh, small, and you know it's a powerful compound by itself. Um, it, it is capable of you know killing most of the bacteria. Um, including, you know, MRSI and E. coli and the, the, the bacteria that you normally get with infections. Um, and and it's, it perfectly kills those bacteria. Uh, um, and, and I think it's the, it's the mechanism of the killing of these bacteria makes the MGO the most potent um, in, in Manuka honey. Um, and you don't really find this MGO in any other honey uh, in the world. So I think it's just, just Manuka honey uh, you can find a lot of concentration of MGO. So that makes Manuka honey uh, even more special um, than, you know, when you, when you compare with the rest of uh, the rest of the honeys. Um, and the other beauty part is um, this, this MGO, when, when you, when you freshly harvested honey, you don't really find uh, much concentrations. Um, there is another chemical called dihydroxyacetone DHA. So that that you can find abundant quantities in in manuka nectar. So when bees collect nectar and start making this honey process, uh, you you find uh, lower MGO concentrations and the higher DHA concentrations to begin with. And as it matures, you know the DHA will convert it to MGO over the time. Uh, so that's why, you know, we, co- we call this maturing process or the aging process. So as it matures, um, you get more MGO build up in honey. And that's how the honey will become more potent. Um, it's just like a wine and whiskey that we, we normally call it um, that it actually gets. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't actually know that honey matured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, th- that's again just applies to Manuka honey, I would say. 
you know, it, it doesn't really apply to any other honey there. You know, normally any other honey, you harvest it, um, you just, you know, you just have to uh, eat it or you just have to pack it. But I think mm-hmm. as for manuka honey, you, you have to mature it or you have to uh, keep it for, for some time, you know, to, to get these powerful components uh, built up in honey. So um, I think, yeah, that is why it is unique and special. And I think it is totally worth the hype. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, you guys invest, um, you know, sorry, two questions, actually. So first question is, I saw on your blog that most Manuka honey labels talk about UMF, while when you were talking about honey, you were referring to MGO. Mm. So why is this, uh, can you tell us about how this classification works and, you know, why you'd prefer to uh, classify by MGO? Okay, yeah, sure thing. Um so, um, as Sunil just explained before, MGO, methyl glyoxal, is a naturally occurring molecule in honey. So, it's naturally there. So, that's what it makes it so special. Um, so, DHA over time converts into MGO. Um, UMF stands for Unique Manuka Factor. It is a private certification body. So, UMF is like a branding. So, um when the whole thing about Manuka honey um, started, when the golden era started in early 2000s, we needed um, to market the Manuka honey in such a way that people could understand it easily. And UMF did a brilliant job with doing that as they um, helped the overseas buyers, tourists, or, uh, you know, all these uh, people from the other world to help them understand because, yeah, the science is all very nice. Um, but it takes a lot for people to understand the science. So um, to make it simpler, they came up with the UMF rating. So honeys have got these 5 plus, 10 plus, 15 plus, 20 plus, whatever the rating is. And people instantly recognize that and know that it is a trustworthy, authentic New Zealand honey. So to become a and a UMF is a private, like I said, it's a private certification body. You need to pay for the, to the UMF association to become and use uh, become a member and use their branding. Zealandia is only a startup; it's like eighteen months old, and um, and to pay for the membership and everything, it's it's a slightly expensive affair. That's something that we are not able to afford at this stage. So, and MGO since it's natural, it's you can use it; anyone can use it. So, um, and Sunil being a scientist, and so we just thought we'll just stick with MGO for now. And um, and having said that, Sunil is actually working across with um, a few other scientists around to develop another unique classification system that can be applied to any honey in the world. So, um, and this classification system, like um, you can compare Manuka honey from New Zealand to other honeys from the rest of the world, like honey from Himalayas or honey from Peru, Argentina or Middle East. So, whereas UMF cannot um do that umf is only for manuka honey it can't have been unfortunately right. used for other na- new uh, native new zealand honeys like kanuka or riva riva or tavari so yes while umf is um great um it's probably not for everybody yeah Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And I guess um, it's much better way of kind of measuring something's worth by actually doing it by the MGO, by like the natural occurring compound within it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, Sunil, my second question was to you, like, you guys invest a lot of time and money into the testing of your honey. 
So could you tell us a little bit about your setup and why you believe this testing is important? Yeah, so I think I think testing is um, you know pretty crucial, right? So I mean, to to any food product really, um, and I think it's even more important for honey and especially for for manuka honey because it, it's expensive. So um, you know, pe- people are paying premium price uh, for it, and I think we have to make sure that we deliver them the best the best quality possible uh, product. And because manuka honey is also active, like I explained before, you know, the the whole MGO converting process from DHA, um, you know, you have to uh, test a particular drum or particular barrel a lot of times throughout its lifetime to make sure that you get the most accurate uh, readings uh, before you uh, blend a batch or, you know, before you make a batch. Um, And on top of it, we also have to test quite a lot of other parameters like, you know, it could be pesticides and antibiotics and like glyphosate. Um, and also there are some other regulatory aspects that we have to take into the consideration. So if you have to export to Europe, um, then you have to test some other parameters uh, to USA. And there are quite a few. So and I think maybe China is probably the most difficult market uh, to enter into. So we have to test all the microbiological parameters. So a lot of testing is involved, um, you know, before you pack it or before you export it. Uh, you have to produce all these results um, that has to meet the specs. So right. it's very important, yeah. So I guess it all adds up, hey? It, it all adds up, up. Yeah. It yeah. all adds up. And then you know that Manuka honey also grows in um, some of the most remotest regions. I mean, I know there are beekeepers who use choppers to, you know, get their hives from um, remote locations in Gizi or mm. in Topo. So I, I think... Um, uh, it all adds up. All of these little factors adds up to the cost of the honey. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And why it's so expensive. <laughs> so uh, did you like always envision that Zealandia would be an exporter of honey, like that your primary market would always be outside of New Zealand? Um, yes. When we started, um, both Sunil and myself, we both come from India and we know that um, India is one of the, um, um, is a big, it's a huge country. It's like a second after China with the number of people who live there. And it also has a lot of problem, um, growing number of health problems. Like, you know, it's an increasing number of diabetics, um, increasing pollution. There's heaps of um, asthmatics. And we know that Manuka honey has got so many benefits. And we were like, there's no one in the um, in New Zealand really concentrating on India. Everyone either goes to USA or Europe or China. Those are the big focus markets. And we were like, okay, maybe this is our chance. And that's how we said, okay, we'll start with India and see how it goes. And um, so 18 months ago, um, we have uh, decided, okay, that's where we will um, send send the honey too. So, and also India is one of the fastest growing economies in the world so with a median age of what, 27, 28 something and with ever growing disposable income and people barely know anything about Manuka honey. So, so it's taking a little bit of education on our part about making that awareness and, um, and we are really pleased with the way it's growing. Yes, it has been slow in the beginning, but, um, COVID has actually helped the process of, um, you know, taking that message um, faster across the country. Uh, Maharashtra, Mumbai and Pune are our biggest markets, uh, followed by Bangalore and then Chennai. 
So I'm really pleased. We are very pleased with the way it is going. And then um, eventually we've also gone on online and started on the e-commerce portfolio. And so we've uh, then went on to export to USA, <clears throat> Netherlands and Middle East and Australia. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, but I mean, tell me from an operational point of view, like how has, hard is it to build a business that's primarily kind of geared for export? Like it can't be easy selling to an international market sitting here. Like, could you tell me a little bit about maybe your earliest days? Um like any other startup person, believe me, it is hard work. <laughs> to it, it is still hard work. <laughs> it is so hard work. 18 months on and we are like, oh, my God, what did we do? I mean, it is great. It's a, a challenge to um, wake up every morning. And, you know, it does, does definitely give us the kicks, but it is uh, still hard work. Um, the other day I was talking to um, someone here in Dubai. Um, I was introduced um, to them by a mutual contact in New Zealand. And he was like um, – what are you guys doing? What's your business model? And how how did you end up here in Dubai? And then we just said, like, you know, it's um, – to be um we wouldn't have ended up in Dubai if uh, we hadn't noticed that our e-commerce had heaps of sales coming from the Middle Eastern region for our Zealandia Gold. And then Sinal eventually got a contract here to work mm. in Dubai. So that became our focus area. Like, the more we studied the market – um, we got to know it better. And the again, the other advantage we had with mm-hmm. India, we were both from India and we kind of knew the market and we have that family, family support back in India. And then Robin is from Netherlands. So we brought different things and different geography to the table. And, and just through word of, it did take a lot of word of mouth and networking. There was a point between our first sale and our second sale, there was a lull and we were like really getting nervous. But after the second sale and the third sale, there was again a lull. But after the third, it has been kind of consistent. So it takes Zelania as a new brand and um, it takes a lot of um, selling and, you know, just convincing why people should work with Zealandia. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a long journey. It is know. a long journey. Um, yeah, we, we are very beginning stages, I yeah, guess. We are, yeah. And every company is different. You prepare a sale. Were you, were you surprised when you, like, set up this website? Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say that were you surprised when you, like, set up this website and started just getting international orders or, like, how did you do that? Like, were you aware that people from Dubai would order or India would order? What was your initial expectation? Um, so initially, our website, the first version of Zealandia Honey website actually didn't have a shopping feature. Um, we didn't go for that. But when we had our launch event in India and Robin and Snow came back um, and we were like trying to strategize and that's when we came up with the idea. But still, um, our website sales compared to the sales we get on eBay or Amazon, mm-hmm. is, you know, they're far still lower. So our first initial sales came through the yeah. other portals and that's when we started observing trends okay. and that's when we invested money into developing our own website with um, all the shopping features. And now it's getting to a point where we get more orders from our website than eBay. Mm, yeah. Shopify. Uh, or, uh, yeah, true. And even Amazon. We're not really on Amazon, but we are trying to do that. We've just been listed on Amazon EU. So that's a win for us. Yeah. yeah it's a small win. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
Okay. So let's uh, talk about this collector's edition, this mysterious honey, which cost $3,000. Can you tell us, like, how did it come about? Um, so, um, you know, uh, so... Like I said in one of uh, in one of our previous um, discussions, like um, there's a dull between um, lull between each sales export sales that we've done. So we were like, okay, the company needs constant fuel to work. So how else can we do that? And so we also tried to get into honey trading. So we were trying to buy drums and sell drums, and um, yeah. So and during one of those processes, we actually ended up finding this miraculous drum. Um, and Sunil was like, looked at its um, parameters and um, and saw the testing results. And he was like, wait a minute, we actually ended up on something amazing. So, and he's like, okay, let's hold on to this one. And we held on to it. And then um, one day he comes here to Dubai and then he shows off to his um, friends here that, oh, Zelania honey has got this beautiful honey. It's got all these beautiful parameters and it's going to be the highest uh, potent honey in the world. And they were like, okay. And there was some interest generating uh, through that. And then we were like, okay, we need to, if we're going to make honey, it needs to come in a really well-made jar. So we just had our thinking hats on and and that's how we started designing. And the first few designs concepts were like trash, really. And then um, we just got better and collaborated with the local businesses. Um, and yeah, we pretty much pulled it off. So the inspiration of the concept came from Taupo, the volcanic region, the geothermal area, and um, using um, uh, the native wood for the lids. Um, and... Um, is there anything else I'm missing, Sunil? Is there something you'd like to add? Stainless steel. Stainless steel to show the strength of the product. <laughs> the, product. Uh, the strength of the product. And the beautiful videos. Yeah, and the beautiful videos. Um, and that's how we came about. The videos are amazing. Oh, yeah, yes. it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, and, and also, uh, you know, been, I've, been, I've been living here for the last eight months, nine months. And I think there is, and people just love Manuka honey. That's just one story of it. And people love um, high-end Manuka honey. And especially if you say this is MGO uh, 1200 or MGO 1400 or MGO 1700, uh, these these people, you know, they just love it. Um, they go bananas, eh? Yeah, I mean, that, that's how I think we, we actually started working on it very seriously that, yes, we should do this honey because, you know, there is a demand coming from coming from this region and you know i mean we just have to go for it and that that's how i think we, we started the whole process and and and, and it worked yeah it pretty much worked hey eh? um, so what happened you sorry um i was gonna say you made these fancy bottles. i was gonna say you made these fancy bottles and so what happened did you find a customer is any of these jars available um, no, um, actually, um, so we did find a customer and then um, the customer, uh, yeah, and then we sold it all to this person and he just distributed among his own network and circle. So it did get sold, went into multiple people's hands, but it was all through one pipeline, sales pipeline. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, that's amazing. I was yeah. going to tell my husband to buy some for me for my anniversary. <laughs> 
like clearly <laughs> it's already gone <laughs> you wouldn't buy me something for three thousand dollars that's a separate topic <laughs> well it's um hold on next year we we're going to working on the next version <laughs> on the next version of um the world's highest uh graded uh or potent honey so that will be even Yeah, that's even so better. Bigger and bolder. Yeah, bigger and bolder. So you could tell your husband to <laughs> and start saving for it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, you know, from all that we are kind of chatting about, I get the feeling that, you know, like you said already, your honey is consciously designed for the premium customer segment. So, um I mean, aside from the fact that you've done, you know, like your direct sales, how did you go about finding this very premium audience? Like, how do you talk to them? How do you find them? Um, so from experience and from looking at market research reports, every region in the in the world um, are, prefer one certain grade of honey. And um, so that's how we filtered down, say, say if we go to Europe, um, the biggest seller in Europe for us is our MGO 400 plus. And we just mm. stick to that story about why people should buy premium Zealandia honey, MGO 400 plus. And then if you go to America, America is more like, um, yes, yeah, uh, both the MGO 400 five, five plus and plus. 550 plus. And whereas you come to the Middle East, it's 550 plus and 850 plus. So every region has got its own um, little, uh, has got its own preference for what honey they want to buy. And we've been just um, targeting that particular grade of honey and building a story around that. I guess Sunil's got something to add here. Yeah, I think I was, um, it's actually Sri said, you know, it's just surprising that every region is different. Um, I was talking to a supplier a couple of days ago and he was asking, okay, you know, he wants to buy some MGO 1000 plus. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we can we can definitely supply in 250 grams. He's like, no, I want in finer grams. I don't want in 250 grams. Uh, 250 grams is too cheap. I was like, oh, wow. Well, it's not too cheap. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so kind of market here. Um, you know, I mean, there's it's a lot of lot of growth and people, and again, the pricing is, uh, if, if when I compare, when I compare Manuka honey pricing with, uh, say, for example, uh, honey from Yemen or Sitra honey from Yemen, it's not really expensive. I think we're actually quite cheap. Um, you know, if I if I if I compare few honey brands uh, that I can see, um, it's it's not really really cheap. So you're saying Manuka honey is not really yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah yeah. So it's different and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, not and that I guess, like you said, it's all about the storytelling, right? Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah. It is about the storytelling. It's about just uh, understanding your audience and tailoring your story to suit that audience because um, different audience connect to different things that they want to see. So, um, so yeah, it, it comes down to st- telling the story of Taupo, the mm. New, Zealand, New Zealand and the beauty of it because everyone likes that. And then the next layer of the story, again, is different from customer to customer. Everyone loves the whole green New Zealand story. And then after that first layer is then we just individualize the story because um, – Europe loves sustainability, so our stories uh, and to they like, Europe. They like plastic. Um, um, and um, so Europe and USA is more like we do the sustainability sales stick, and whereas for Middle East and India, it's more to do with the health benefits and just educating them and that they are getting the best for, you know. Mm. So every region is different, and we've not really penetrated China, so I'm not going to talk about uh, yeah. China. But, yeah, storytelling is a big part of our brand. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, and I saw another innovation that you guys have done is those kind of like tiny honey sachets. Like I love that because I feel, uh, you know, it's something that maybe even hotels in New Zealand could have as like a treat for their customers or, you know, it's potentially like the new vitamin C sachet, for example. Like what were your thoughts when you created those tiny sachets? You're right. The, actually, when we um, created the sachets, the reason why we wanted those sachets is people were asking for samples. Free samples. Samples. And, you know, it hurts <laughs> me to give away a 250 gram jar <laughs> for, a, uh, for a sample. So we're like, okay, right, let's make sachets. And that's how we ended up making sachets. But while we got into the whole um, uh, mind, uh, you know, we got into the headspace of making sachets, we came up with other creative plans to um, sell those sachets. And yes, like you said, you're right. Um, it, they make a perfect um, addition to a hotel for a hospitality industry to order, um, you know, to have it in their um, cafeterias as a sugar replacement or as a little complimentary thing to their customers. And the other beautiful idea or the beautiful thing about um, the sachets is we've, um, it can be used, it's handy. You can carry it in your handbag or mm. you can carry it in your wallet. So if you are needing a sugar rush or you know if you need or if you've biked um you've gone by mountain biking and you need a bit of energy all you have to do is um rip it up (coughs) put it in your drink bottle and mix it shake it drink and drink it so there you've got your instant um energy boost so that was another idea behind it as well and lots of kiwis go camping instead of taking a whole jar of honey for your cup of tea you can Mm -hmm. all you have to do is grab a couple of sachets and if you've um yeah, ended up having a cut, like, you know, a wound. It's antimicrobial enough to, you know, use it as a wound dressing. So there's multi-purpose use to making sachets, mm. yeah. But the initial concept was, yes, I can't give away a 250-gram jar, so let's make <laughs> a 10-gram sachet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? The best innovations come from trying to save costs, so you've done well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, Sunil, um, I mean, you guys are only like 18 months into the business. So, tell us a little bit about what plans you have for Zealandia. Like, what's next? I mean, you're obviously based in um, the UAE market now. And you said that you guys are also looking at India. Um, mm. Where do you plan plan to be in kind of like the next two years or three years? Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, our motto is daring to be different, right? I think... We we are trying things in a different way um, that no other company is doing. I mean, that's how we see the point of difference. Um, so we are actually working on a lot of uh, a lot of cutting edge uh, research with a whole bunch of scientists uh, from within New Zealand and in global scale on a variety of uh, issues that the honey industry is facing. Um, and also, we, as Shri explained before, we are also developing a unique standard um, that pretty much covers all the aspects of honey, quality, purity, and potency, and authenticity. Um, so hopefully, I think in the next few months, we will be releasing this uh, this standard. And again, Zealandia Honey will be the first brand to, to use this standard. Um, and also, we are releasing another uh, potency parameter called App. Uh, APP, so it stands for active polyphenols. Um, you know, I mean, people have this perception that manuka honey is just antibacterial, and I mean, some people say it's antioxidant or uh, anti-inflammatory, but 
we they really don't quantify uh, you know how how can you say it's antioxidant or how can you say it's anti-inflammatory so to answer those questions we are coming up with this app uh, rating system called active polyphenol so um, we can quantify uh, those those compounds in a way that you can say that yes this particular honey is uh, antioxidant anti antibacterial and anti-inflammatory um, so that's one thing that we are working on now. So hopefully uh, next year we'll be releasing uh, the app. And also we are also developing uh, multiple other products, um, yeah. which we are targeting kind of, you know, bu- um, building the immunity um, in, in immunity system and as well as targeting few uh, kind of uh, cancer applications like anti-cancer supplements. Um, and also mm-hmm. skin products is something that we are working on. Um, yep. And with Manuka Honey itself, we are actually developing another unique uh, product using Manuka Honey and something else, which is kind of a secret now. Uh, but that will ultimately, um, and again, is just for the health benefits, really. So, yeah, so we're, we're actually coming up with a lot of innovative products in the next 12 months uh, to 24 months. And marketing-wise, also, we are expanding into uh, China. Um, we have just listed in Europe, uh, Germany, and we have gone to Netherlands. Um, and now we are uh, working on uh, China market. Yeah, and like, um, yes, um, as much, uh, just like he said, Manuka honey is a bread and butter, but we are wanting to, uh, our next focus for the next few years will be um, going away from Manuka honey as uh, mm. the main uh, uh, product to something that you can use it as a functional ingredient. So that's our focus and that's what we want to do because um, uh, that's kind of giving value to uh, honey because most people, um, there are people who like honey and there are people who don't like honey and the mm. people who don't like honey are are quite huge in numbers as well. So you want to have everyone, you know, maximize your um, uh, audience. Yeah, that's your, true. Your, you want to maximize your audience. So that will be our, probably our target for the next few years is to do some new product development and see what we can do things differently. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And also focusing on the current markets. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And I think what you guys, both of you touched upon is the fact around the kind of, you know, the immunity and building the, you know, like tying that aspect in about using it as a prevent, like using preventative measure. I mean, it's not something new what you're saying. I'm mm-hmm. like my grand telling me to have honey since I was a kid, but uh, just, you know, I think quantifying it, like just not just having it because my grandmom told me, but actually backing it with some science and like you said backing it with the research which shows why exactly you should be having it i think to me as a customer that adds huge value yes yeah yeah and that's what we believe too yeah yeah Yeah. if you don't have the science behind it you'll never the customer will never stick around for having manika honey Mm. yeah (laughs) so well i wish you both best of luck and before i let you go we're now going to move into my favorite part of the show which is called fast food five and uh since you listen to the podcast i have specifically changed the questions for you (laughs) (laughs) couldn't have prepared it (laughs) yeah sure so let's start with um sunil should we yeah sure Okay, so Sunil, first question. Do you like honey in sweet dishes or savory? What's your favorite one? Uh, sweet dishes. 
Sweet dishes. Okay. You are Indian, so you would say that, right? Like we love our sweet stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so the one thing that you must always have in your pantry. Uh, coffee machine. Coffee machine. Yes. <laughs> I have a, I'm a new convert to black coffee. I agree with you. I never yeah. used to have black coffee in India, but like since coming to New Zealand, I've just become like just having way too much black coffee. <laughs> Um, next question honey wine or cheese if you had to have one thing as your last meal which one would it be always wine <laughs> oh. <laughs> and red or white uh, red like red oh, okay nice um, and what's uh, what's like your guilty pleasure mm, nowadays actually it's baklava baklava it's, oh. it's, 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 uh, sweet I just love it yeah <laughs> it is I find it a bit too sweet like my teeth kind of hurt from yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. <laughs> yeah um and last question breakfast lunch or dinner what's your favorite meal of the day uh dinner okay yeah mine mine is dinner too I like it it's just like a yeah, time I mean, when you quite relaxing family, and, yeah, yeah you can talk family breakfast is always yeah. you know, you're just on the go every day <laughs> <laughs> okay so Sri are you ready it's your turn yes yes <laughs> okay so what about you honey and sweet dishes or savory savory mm. ah, what do you make with it um salads I think I've lost my sweet tooth as I'm uh, aging <laughs> I um like I have, uh, my teeth have gone quite sensitive. So if I uh, go over my sugar threshold, you know, my teeth start to hurt. So I've gone not more from doing sweets to more savory. So yes, you should try honey as uh, your salad dressing um, present. It's mm. amazing. Okay. All right. For that, I'll have to have salad though, Sri. <laughs> <laughs> salad is good for you today. <laughs> <laughs> Parsi is, you know, and you know, we only we the only salad we believe in eating is potatoes. But honey roasted potatoes sound good. <laughs> All right, um, honey wine or cheese? What would be your last meal? Um, probably wine too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, and. If you were a vegetable, which one would you be? I'd be a eggplant. Ooh. An eggplant. Oh, that's that's unique. Is there a reason for that? Oh, that she bought some eggplants oh. yesterday. Really cute ones. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I went uh, market shopping um, to the vegetable shop, and they were really cute and tiny. Oh, they're so beautiful. They look, um, yeah, they look. They are like so you. adorable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? What's your favorite meal of the day? dinner dinner okay all right well thank you so much both uh shri and sunil both of you for coming on the show it's just been lovely talking to you and learning a little bit more about honey and yeah i wish you all the best thank you so thank much you, for uh, having us on your show um yeah. um we thoroughly enjoyed it yeah thank you so much okay awesome feel free to send some of those tasting sessions over shri <laughs> i will I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. 
listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.